are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. You're part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. You're listening to who? The always wonderful. And might I add a handsome host of, handsome host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer. So please, if you want to see my work, go check out my website, millerthomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. For today's show, we are going to be looking at the last two start to the season from over the weekend, Saturday and Sunday. For Luke Weaver and Madison Bumgarner, we'll break them down, see how they performed in their final start of the 2020 season. I know. So sad to see that the D-backs season is over. So I'll tell you guys what draft pick the D-backs ended up with and just give some of my final thoughts on the season. But first, if your company is interested in reaching men between the ages of 18 and 44, your company should be sponsoring this podcast. Locked on Diamondbacks to listen to by 98% men and 80% between the ages of 18 and 44. So if you want men in that age range, this is your spot. Plus, our rates are the most reasonable around. Email me at LockedOnDiamondbacks at gmail.com to find out more. All right, all right, all right. Let's get into it, and let's first start off by talking about Luke Weaver's start because he went up first. He pitched on Saturday with Bumgarner pitching yesterday. So let's first break down Luke Weaver's start because he had a pretty interesting start, and anytime Luke Weaver starts, it's pretty interesting, but even by his standards, this was a pretty up and down, you know, kind of Jekyll and Hyde kind of start for Luke Weaver because he started out the games really, started out the gates really strong in this game. He looked really good that 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 first time through the lineup. Luke Weaver was cruising the first three innings to his final start. He only allowed two hits, no runs, and struck out four on forty-seven pitches. 31 of them being strikes. So Luke Weaver's cruise didn't start the game. He wasn't, you know, making any mistakes. He was striking out guys. wasn't really putting guys on base. It was just a clean Luke Weaver game. But those final two innings, because he only won five innings in this one, and those final two innings, that fourth and fifth inning, he struggled a little bit. And it wasn't the same Luke Weaver we saw in the first half of the game. In the fourth and fifth inning, he gave up five runs on five hits in those two frames, and his pitch count went to 90. It was at 47. It went to 90. That means he threw, what, 43 pitches in just two innings. He got shelled over those last couple innings. He did not look good. He was giving up some runs left and right in that game. And to be specific, we saw the Rockies uh, score in the top of the fourth with a Murphy single that scored Fuentes and Diaz homer to left that scored two more guys. Then the top of the fifth, you have the Tapia single to score Hampson. Then you had a Blackman sacrifice fly to score Tapia. So that was five runs. That gave the Rockies a 5-1 to one lead, and that was pretty much all the Rockies needed to win that game. They went, to, they went on to win 10-3. Luke Weaver did not look good. His final line in that game was five innings, seven 
seven hits, four earned runs, and six strikeouts, which was pretty nice, the six strikeouts, but he gave up a home run. He didn't walk anyone, which was nice, but on the season now, that was his final stat line in the game, but how about on the year? How did Luke Weaver end his season? What were his final numbers, you ask? Well, Luke Weaver ended the year with a 6-5-8 ERA, just garbage, 1-9 win-loss record, and I, I'm not the kind of guy who puts a huge stock into win-loss record. I mean, Rick Porcello won the Cy Young just because he won 20 games. He was not the best pitcher that year, but this 1-9 win-loss record is indica indicative of how <laughs> Luke Weaver has pitched this year because he's been that bad. He's been a 1-9 pitcher this year. He's given up 10 home runs in 52 innings which is uh, really not that good. It feels like it's more. It feels like he's given up more home runs. That's not as bad as I would have thought. His strikeouts per nine was still pretty high, 9.5, so you know he's still a strikeout beast. But with a walk per nine at 3.1, that's just not going to cut it. And it hits per nine at 10.9. He gave up some damage for sure. He would strike out guys, but he walked a decent amount too. He gave up a lot of hits. He would give up a few uh, home runs. He never pitched deep into games, only 52 innings pitch in 12 starts i'm gonna pull up my cal my calculator real quick my handy dandy calculator on my iphone app so i could see how many that means he averaged about 4.3 innings per start that just won't cut it you can't even make it through five innings as a legit starter a guy who's you know could be a, a number two starter in a rotation i mean when we traded for him that's that's what our expectation that's what his potential was so Seeing a guy that can't even make it through five innings, you know, in a normal start for himself, that's just not good. That's not going to cut it. So Luke Weaver is definitely a guy that has to pick it up and be better next season because the guy we saw this year, just not going to cut it. If the D-backs want to have any sort of making the any chance of making the postseason in 2021. Now let's look at the other guy, Madison Bumgarner. Let's see how he pitched yesterday, the final game of the D-back season. How did it culminate? What did Madison Bumgarner do in that one? And it was kind of the opposite start of Luke Weaver did, it, of, of what Luke Weaver had. It was basically, could I say, the best start of the season for Madison Bumgarner. He looked great yesterday. I'm not going to deny it. I'm not going to, you know, mince my words. Bumgarner looked great. Dare I say he looked dominant yesterday now i still don't know what his velocity was coming out that game i still have to check the advanced stats for that to see what you know his velocity was clocking in at what his normal fastball his other pitches what what they were on average in that game i haven't seen uh the numbers yet on his velocity in that game but outside of his velocity you know we'll put those question marks aside right now he pitched a great game yesterday Madison bumgarner did he went five innings only two hits no, no runs allowed, no walks allowed, four strikeouts, no home runs allowed, if you could believe that. And really, if you want to, the, the craziest start, uh, craziest stat maybe from yesterday, only 66 pitches, five innings, only 66 pitches. So maybe he could have went seven yesterday, had a real complete uh, dominant game. Then I'll take the five innings. I'll take what he did yesterday. It was the best version of Bumgarner we saw. The offense even kicked it up too yesterday. No, another Cole Calhoun home run. So he could have 16 on the season. Even Eduardo Espar guy got in on the average. Now he's batting 212, which looks better, I guess, on the season. Ketel Marte finished the season with 287 average and just a great win yesterday by the D-backs to end the season on a high note. They finished with a 25 and 35 record 
16 and 14 at home, and Bumgarner looked good in this one. The bullpen came in and shut down the Rockies, uh, except for Yoan Lopez. He gave up three earned runs, couldn't even uh, get an out in the in the game yesterday. Couldn't even record an out. Gave up three earned runs, but everyone else that came in pitched well yesterday, and it, it was an encouraging sign for Bumgarner, whose final numbers on the year aren't pretty. A six four eight ERA, only nine starts. 41 innings pitched in those nine starts, and he's given up 13 home runs allowed, which has led the team in home runs allowed. And his home runs per nine allowed was 2.8. Strikeouts per nine was 6.5, so he wasn't the strikeout artist like he normally is. 2.8 walks per nine, uh, that's all right. When he's not going deep into ball games, that number seems more consi- uh, more significant. His whip was 1.4, so... A lot of these Bumgarner stats really weren't that impressive. He looked awful. I mean, a 6-5 ERA, just atrocious. You're not going to win many games when your ace is pitching like that. But he showed us some things at the end of the season. He he looked a lot better. I mean, if you look at Bumgarner's four of his last five starts, his start yesterday, no earned runs, five innings. His start before that, he also went five innings, two hits, no earned runs. His start before that, he gave up eight earned runs. He was completely shelled. But his two starts before that, he gave up two earned runs apiece. So he's only given up in four of his last five starts. He's given up four earned runs or less total. So, or I shouldn't say or less. He's given up a total of four earned runs in four of his last five starts. So if you just take out... That September 15th start where he gave up eight earned runs. He only given up four earned runs total in his last four starts. So he's looked good. He's looked impressive in those last four starts. And if you look at his first two starts, he only gave up three earned runs and two earned runs. So there was a lot of decent massive Bumgarner this year that were just so many bad performances in the middle that really shaped our perspective. But I think on the year, if you go by the game log, if you look game by game, it's not as bad as we might have remembered. Yeah, the walks were bad sometimes, but they weren't atrocious. Only one game with more than two walks. The strikeout numbers were the ones that weren't really that pretty. And it's really the home runs allowed that made him really look this bad because those those two starts in those last four we where he only gave up those two earned runs, they were all solo home runs. If I take away that September 15th start, his last four starts, all the earned runs he gave up were just solo home runs. So so maybe he wasn't pitching as bad as we thought. He was just making uh, one mistake most of the games he started. Well, at least recently, at least, if you looked at those last four or five starts, it was really just one pitch that ended up putting runs on the board. So maybe he'll get better in 2021 at not allowing so many home runs. I feel like that was his biggest weakness, honestly, outside the strikeout numbers and not going deep into ball games. I would say the home runs allowed were his biggest weakness. So if he could correct that, and it all could just stem from the lack of velocity. So we'll see what an offseason can do. I don't think another year of getting older is going to help in velocity, but we'll see. We've seen guys have resurgences or rejuvenations and even if his velocity doesn't come back maybe he just reinvents himself turns himself into Zach Greinke and just becomes a finesse and location pitcher the rest of his career so I'm curious to see what Bumgarner looks next season but on the Luke Weaver Mass and Bumgarner both look disappointing and hopefully they can get back on track in 2021 now coming up I'll tell you what draft pick the D-backs will have in the 2021 MLB draft but first let me tell you guys about Built Bar. Built Bar is back and more improved than ever before. 
They have 18 amazing flavors, but six new flavors. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. Built Bars are healthy, and the reason why I love them because they're not candy bars, even though they taste like that. They're actually protein bars, and they're great for the health-conscious guy like me because they help me lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. The bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber, so it's great for that keto diet. Built Bar has also reset the promo code for this relaunch. You could get a free cooler with purchase while supplies last. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, and you could get $10 off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back to it, and let's look at that draft pick that the D-backs are going to end up with. The D-backs right now have the sixth worst record in the major league, so you know what that means? They're getting the sixth pick in the MLB draft. They're going to be, I'll tell you the order right now, the top five. I won't give you the whole draft order, but I'll just tell you what teams are ahead of the D-backs. you got the Pirates at number one, Rangers at two, Tigers at three, Red Sox at four, Orioles at five, and then you got the D-backs at six. Now, the real question is, who should the D-backs attack in the MLB draft? Who should they be targeting? What kind of players do the D-backs need on their roster currently and in their minor league system? So I was looking at the MLB.com, looking at the top 30 by each team. I'm on the D-backs right now, and when I'm looking at the top 30 prospects for the D-backs, I see a good amount of outfielders. Three of their top five guys are outfielders. I see a lot of pitchers. Six through 11 are all pitchers in this D-backs rankings. But you know who I don't see a lot of? Corner infielders. The D-backs don't have great depth at corner infield. So I think that's a big area where they could really use some depth and use some talent because right now they got Seth Beer, their number one first base product but he's down at number 15 in their prospect rankings for the team he's also listed as an outfielder too so we'll see what he transitions to once he becomes a a major leaguer I think he will be a first baseman but you never know and then there's not too many third baseman prospects either the best there's the best third baseman prospect that the D-backs have on their uh, rankings list is Tristan English, who's ranked number 29 in their organization. He's listed as a third-base outfielder, 23 years old, and he's still in single A. And then they have number 30, just straight third baseman, not listed as anything else. But he's only 19, and he's only in rookie ball, so it'll be a while before we see him. So D-backs could use some more corner infield depth in this draft. They could use another first baseman. They could use another third baseman. And who knows, they could even use another catcher. Dalton Varsho, of course, is the number three prospect in their farm system. He's gonna he, he's a catching prospect as well, but looks like he's going to be making his way to the major leagues uh, probably by next season as an everyday, or maybe not an everyday player, but at least be on the active roster every day. Maybe a platoon catcher and platoon outfielder after we saw this year that he could play some center field. But 
once he graduates the big leagues, there are going to be no catching prospects in the top 30 for the D-backs. So they could also use one of those guys. They could use another catcher. I mean, the D-backs do have two young catchers right now since Carson Kelly's already there. He's only about 25, 26, and then Dalton Varsho, 24, 25. The D-backs have at least young catchers, but you can always add more to your farm system as a trade piece. And you never know, injuries, guys sometimes just fall off the map. So it's always safe to add uh, some some more catching depth. And then as always, never be afraid to add a pitcher. It's like in basketball when they say you're, you can never have enough shooters. You can never have enough quality pitchers, whether that be back end of the bullpen, whether that be a starter, a spot starter, long relief. You can never have enough pitchers. So if the D-backs add some more quality pitching depth, I think that will be very important as well for the success of this team long term. Now, I do want to give some closing thoughts on the D-backs season because I already said D-backs finished the year 25-35. and 35. They finished 18 games back of the LA Dodgers, and it was just a disappointing season, to say the least, for the D-backs. There's not much you can say. Coming into 2020, I had high hopes. You look up and down the roster. There's talent everywhere. You, Eduardo Escobar. You, we had the, the the Marte Parte to start the year. We were excited for Bumgarner. We we had Robbie Ray. We thought we were going to get rejuvenation from him. Luke Weaver was going to take another step up. We, there were just so many moving pieces, so, many, so much potential. There was a lot of question marks with this team, but... I was blinded by the potential. I saw, you know, I looked on paper. I compared it to other rosters. I disrespected teams like the Padres. I thought they had no chance of making the playoffs. And I was dead wrong this year about how the baseball season was going to turn out. And I'll own up to my mistakes. I thought this D-backs team was going to be a lot better. I thought they were going to be a lot more competitive. Like a lot of us thought. We, we just looked at this roster on paper and we said, how is this not a team who at least is in contention for a wild card spot? And... For a little bit in that season, in the middle of the season, they were. There was a point where they were a couple of games above 500, and they did own that second wild card spot for a little bit. But as long as they held it, they held it for as long as they did have that wild card spot, they didn't have it for even longer because most of the season was a waste. They started the season very slow out the gates. They looked awful to start the season. Then they had that little stretch where they broke off like 11 of 13 games. Then they came back to earth and have just been atrocious the last, what, month of the season. They have just looked awful. They've looked like the worst team in baseball. They they haven't been able to hit. OPS is awful. They can't get on base. They have no power. They don't get extra base hits. They're not really creating runs. They don't steal many bases. And we look at the pitching. Starters, on average, don't even make it through five innings. They give up home runs. They walk a lot of guys. They're not. They have decent strikeout numbers, but... And the bullpen, it comes in, it gives up leads, it gives up, uh, it gives up earned runs. So just every facet of this team has just been a struggle. Every facet of this team hasn't looked good. And the D-backs front office is gonna have to make some tough decisions. And D-backs ownership is gonna have to make some tough decisions. Derek Hall is gonna have to decide whether he wants to retain Tori Lavello and Mike Hazen. All indications are pointing that he will right now keep those guys, but you never know. You never know things can change. And so right now, there's just a lot of question marks surrounding this D-backs team. Next season, what it will look like, the roster construction, who stays and who goes. Uh, will the manager and GM be back? But 
at the very least, even with all those question marks, I still like this team for next season. I'm hoping a 162-game season it looks better. This team has been competitive the last couple years, so I'm just going to blame a lot of this on the pandemic, blame it on COVID, blame it on the lack of offseason preparation. And I just hope and just pray that this team could come back next season in 2021 and right the wrongs that they had this year because this team is too talented and too many good players for it to not be at least a wild card contender. That's it for this edition of the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. Hope everyone tuned in like today's podcast. We'll have more podcasts the rest of the week. Don't forget to come back tomorrow because this is the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. Your team every day bringing you the best Diamondbacks news, coverage, and insight. And as always, I hope everyone is staying safe and staying healthy. Peace!